at the start it sucked. At the start it was like, I don't want to be here. When is the soda coming at the top of the mountain? <laughs> Welcome to Stand Up Pedal Action. Welcome everybody back to Stand Up Pedal Action. Uh, here in studio, we do not have our guest. There is no guest in the studio. Today, we have no one in the studio except Josh and I, and of course, Samson, who is ever watchful over the wonder of the blanket fort. No, no, it turns out today's guest is not even on this continent. No. By the magic of media, we have been able to bridge continents. Over from Austria, we have Bjorn Riley, one of the four horsemen of the U23 uh, UCI XC world that uh, they're just tearing it up. These guys are so much fun. Um, I'm so grateful that you're here with us. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. No, yeah. I mean, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. And like I told you guys before, I mean, my first interview. So I'm excited to see all this works and talk to you guys about like Europe and everything. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We are super stoked to hear. Um, and it's going to be interesting to watch because this episode, we're recording it here. It's the, uh, the end of May. And by the time everybody else out there is hearing this, we're going to be a little further through the summer, a little further through the season. So we're going to have to keep an eye on how the rest of your race season goes. But before we get to hearing any more about Europe and about this year, as is the case here on Supa, we'd love to get to know a little more about you and about where you came from. So, yeah. Yeah. So bikes, how did it start? Where, where was this, where did this come into your life? I mean, that's, that goes way back. Um, I mean, my family's always been a very uh, sporting family. They've always wanted to go out and do something, especially on the weekends, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we always want to go somewhere and travel. And yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of got it from my, I mean, my mom and dad were part of it. They just kind of forced me at a young age to be like, we're going out, we're going to go up to like Keystone, which is like an hour away from my house or go up anywhere in the front ridge. And we're just going to ride our bike for a few hours. And I'd say at the start, obviously being a little kid, it was for sure like, oh, this, this isn't that great. Um, <laughs> but after, yeah, <laughs> but after a few years, I for sure like caught on to it. And then I was like working with a few small little like Devo teams. Um, one of them was called Simba. And they were the ones that really sparked my interest in like biking, the adventure, the freedom of it, and like even the competition. Um, and then, yeah, from there, it just grew. Like I started doing races. And I'd say the first thing that really got me addicted to the racing aspect was actually this. Um, it was the CU Short Track Series that's in Val or was hosted at Valmont Bike Park every Wednesday in the summer. Oh, wow. And so I always want to ask this, anybody who starts racing, one of my first questions is, was that first race, uh, instant win? Like you got in, you were like, oh my gosh, I should have been doing this all along. Or was it a complete galactic disaster? Ooh, so that's not even where I had my first race. And I'd say the first race was a complete galactic disaster. Um, <laughs> I was, I think... <laughs> I think I was 11 and there was this like crit series or something that was happening in one of my local, like just city parks. And what my parents had told me, if I remember correctly, was I was, I was, yeah, just riding really slow. And then one lap, a guy, a kid in front of me crashed and I stopped to help him up. Uh -huh. And then I think I got like second to last or something. <laughs> I think that's how it went. Or maybe I'm, <laughs> so yeah, that was, I wouldn't say it was a great race. <laughs> you got some pretty solid values out of that, though. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, that is true, yeah. Can't fault you for helping the other guy out. That is, that's true. I should have just passed him, though. Another place, you know, get some points. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, probably not a whole lot of helping each other up going on in the races you're in these days. <laughs> no, no, none of that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited to get to that, but I, I also hear that you didn't just start mountain biking, right? You also were in the, the Nordic world. Is that right? Th that is right. Yeah. I mean, um, like I was saying, I mean, my family loves sports in general. So when I was like young, we were kind of just doing everything. Um, I would do like mountain biking in the summer. And then once it got winter, we would do Nordic. And I'd say like a lot of like just 
what I love about racing comes from the Nordic skiing and um, yeah, just like, yeah, honestly, yeah, Nordic. Um, one of my big like idols, Petter Nordic, um, he was the guy that got me into Nordic. And then I feel like kind of got me into the whole just racing aspect of every single sport from Nordic to mountain biking to just anything. So another question with that, most adults that I know won't willingly go Nordic skiing because of how torturously, uh, cardiovascularly intense that is. How was that for you as a kid? Was it just like torture and being drugged through the woods for hours or <laughs> did you take to that one pretty quick? I think it was the same with, uh, as biking. Okay, um, I wondered at the start, it sucked at the start. It was like, I don't want to be here. When is the soda coming at the top of the mountain? <laughs> um, <laughs> but then I'd say like, I remember I, my parents finally went and got me some like really nice boots. And I remember I put them on and from then on, it was like, I was in love with the sport. Um, it was like, once I had the proper gear, my feet weren't hurting and all that. It was like amazing. And oh. that's when I kind of, yeah, I was obsessed with it. Yeah. So the start was rocky, but yeah. 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 <laughs> Seems like you must have developed some sort of obsession because I see here that uh, you won the National Junior Racing Conference for Nordic. Yeah, I, right? I, I did. Yes. <laughs> another another national champion. There yes, <laughs> multidisciplinary <laughs> national champion here. That I I wish it was. Or uh, one thing I have to say about that is I wish it was the true national championships, but it was the Rocky Mountain League championships, which is I uh, think for okay just. A few of the regions, I don't even really know how to specify what region it is, but yeah, still well, a national. I'd call it a national championship. So semantics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. We'll take it. Yeah, there's probably some people in Vermont that would fuss about that, but we'll give it to you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what other things were you passionate about growing up? I mean, mainly it was art. I think from a young age, I was like, I always liked art. Um, my mom was a painter and she always liked drawing and stuff too. And I remember I would always be painting with her outside when in the summer and stuff. And I mean, I feel like, yeah, it was really just art and biking and Nordic skiing. Those are the three things I can think of. <laughs> it seems like you poured a lot of your time and energy into those things. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now it's, it's full time. <laughs> yeah. So an upbringing like that, where you've got two fairly time intensive sports, was education pretty normal standard for you or are you like one of those kids that got to sneak out of class or just be gone all the time because you were traveling to a race somewhere or how did that work out for you? Um, I'd say at the start, like especially middle school and start of high school, it was like I still really enjoyed my school. And for the most part, I was like pretty focused on it. Um, like when I was in school, I was focused. And obviously outside of school, I was like, all right, I'm not doing school. But I'd say by the end of like, High school, yeah, I was getting more like, yeah, I can't really go to class. I have this race I have to go to. And like a lot of my stuff transferred to online, especially due to COVID too. Mm, and yeah. from then on, it kind of like, I guess, lost. I lost my taste in um, school. It seemed very secondary to the other things I was doing. And I didn't feel really uh, that invested in the schoolwork I was doing. It felt, yeah, kind of wasteless or wasteful. Mm. So does that mean that, uh, at this point you're kind of like, all right, I'm done. I'm just going to ride and let that be the thing. Or is there future education in your, in your, uh, like down the road for you? Um, I would say, yeah, at the moment it's focusing on, uh, riding. Uh, last year I was actually at CU, um, like university of Boulder, Colorado. And mm -hmm. I don't know. It felt like I wasn't, it felt the same as high school or it wasn't fully invested into the stuff I was learning. And I think down the road, I'll for sure want to go back. But at the moment, not knowing exactly what I want to invest that much time into, it, it would feel like a waste for me to do that. But I think I want to study like art history or um, like fashion and stuff like that. Anything with art and I would love to do it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's so cool to have have that passion alongside and i've done done a little bit of creeping along your instagram just to to see who we're dealing with here and uh it is it's fun it's fun to see <laughs> like it, both your your biking and your art instagram are, are very passionate you, it, you convey thank you but what, what you love really well and we're thank uh, you very much yeah yeah we're definitely going to throw the uh 
the links to both of those Instagram accounts in the show notes. So uh, anybody who watches this and they want to see what we're talking about here, they can go pick that up uh, over Instagram. So we're going to hopefully get you another couple of followers there. <laughs> Sweet. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, well, you, you raced a little bit through high school, right? Were you in the, in the Nike league at that point? Yeah, okay. I was. I was there from my freshman year to my junior year. Okay. Gotcha. And how did the transition go from there to where you are now? Ooh, I mean, I think my main, yeah, my transition really happened. I'd say, uh, started junior year. Um, I think that was the first year that I started racing like, or my, the first year I did world championships. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, the, I mean, I just felt the first couple of years were more fun and I was just, I was training, but you know, it was kind of just do your rides. If you wanted to do the intervals, your coach gave you go do them. But if not, you know, it's okay. <laughs> mm. um, but then yeah, starting junior year, it kind of felt like I was like, I wanted to really make a big step. And I think that was the year I decided I wasn't going to race Nordic anymore. So it was that like, yeah, stepping stone where I was like, all right, if I really want to make this happen, I think I need to start really training now. Um, and then it felt that due to Nika going so late into the season, for me, it felt like a lot of work to finish my like main season and then go into Nika. Yeah. Um, even though it is a lot of like kind of fun and relaxed racing for me, most of the time when I want to go to a race, it's it's really hard for me to not just like fully focus on the race. And it felt for me the healthiest to cut that part of my racing off. Oh, that makes sense. It seems like it's paying off. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I see you're, you're living over in Austria right now. You're, you're on team USA and it, from what I've heard, you are the first U S mountain biker to be invited onto a European team in over 10 years is that right that's that sounds very good <laughs> <laughs> all right well he didn't deny it so i think that's a i didn't deny it yeah. i don't know how long it's been since a u.s ride has been on a european team for mountain biking but i feel like 10 years is a good amount so i'd say yeah 10 years okay <laughs> all right so we're sticking with that <laughs> yeah we'll stick with that well yeah let's so let's talk about that uh who's the team it's time to plug them and how did that invitation come about? Yeah, so I mean, um, I'm with Trek Vowed. It's a development team that's based in high or Otsal region, Austria. And mm -hmm. um, it kind of came about last year. Uh, me and my agent were looking for a team where I was able to race all the UCI races um, in Europe. And I kind of just started talking to them over at world championships and due to me being able to speak German too, it, it was easier to discuss with the team manager and all that and how we'd actually be able to make it work. Um, but then I'd say the big thing that really helped me get over here was the actual pro cycling foundation and the black Swift company. Um, and if you guys don't know, the pro cycling foundation is a foundation that like sponsors athletes to get over to Europe to race the bigger races. Um, and yeah, they kind of put me in touch with Trek Vowed and then said, Hey, you got to do this. You got to move over there for like six to nine months. And uh, like, that's, that's what you got to do. There's no other thing you can do. Did you say, Oh, darn. Y yeah. I mean like, Oh nuts. <laughs> I have to live in Austria. Shoot. I, mean, <laughs> I was at the start. I was like, Ooh, that's, that's a long time. But then I was like, yeah, it'll be fine. Just, you know, see how it goes for years, see how much I like it. You can always go back to your hometown. So yeah. I felt at this, like, yeah, the first day I was a little scared, but then after that, I was like, oh, sweet. I'm excited. This will be, it's going to be sick. Wow. So when did you move over there? I moved over here, I think February 18th. Okay. Right on. Yeah. So it's been a while now. I don't know. I think it's been almost four months. We're a little over now. And and you said you're you're like twenty kilometers away from Innsbruck, is that right? I yeah, I'm I think I'm forty kilometers. It's around like a forty or twenty to forty five minute train ride, depending on what train you take. So okay. it's really close. 
Yeah. You, you can take a train ride to go train? Yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah. Train it, to it's train. It's so nice, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the European train system here is just amazing where you can just go anywhere so quickly. Um, so yeah, I, mainly all my rest days consist of, of going to Innsbruck, getting coffee and sitting at the coffee shop for five to six hours. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. I cannot complain. No, but, not even a bit. Does not sound bad. So one of the questions uh, that we pose to the other three of your companions who are here on the show is sort of what that is like uh, at your age, you know, at a time in life when usually it's big piles of friends all doing stuff together, either in school or out of school. And then all of a sudden, at some point, you realize that you are on a bit of a different path in that the hours of training and the places you go and the way you spend your time is different than a lot of your peers. What was your experience with that like? Um, that's a, that's a good one. I mean, that's, I have mixed feelings about that. I mean, I felt like, I think I handled it really well, especially coming over to Austria, but I'd say there's always those times where it feels sometimes that you're like, Oh, is this like really what I want? Um, I had in the U S and even over here, most of the time I really enjoy having a part of my life that's fully separated from biking. So it's more of like a mental break from always being surrounded by bikers. And that was consisting of a friend group that was mainly just normal people going through the college like system and just doing normal things. And I mean, yeah, I feel like last year, especially when the intervals and the training really upped its game, you, yeah, you kind of just notice that you're drifting away from the normal thing and you got to focus on it. And I think it's a really hard step, but what I notice now is like, once you make that step and accept it, it, uh, it, it just helps so much. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting question and one that we always want to ask because we've also talked to racers like Katie Compton or, you know, Allison Dunlap who are closer to the end of yeah. their career or at, or past the end of their career. And they often will talk about how lonely that can be, uh, during, some of those portions of your career where you realize like, oh man, everybody else is going and doing whatever, but I just got to go ride. I've just got to go put yeah. in the hours. And one of the things that usually seems to be underneath that is this radical devotion to just loving cycling. Yeah. Is that something I mean, that you'd my, say you've got? Yeah. I mean, I'd say my thing was, was, yeah, it, it felt, especially being surrounded by a lot of like, I guess you could say normal people doing normal things. It felt very like, yeah, damn, I, I'm not able to go do that. I have to go ride my bike for five hours. And um, what I found for me that helped the best, especially now over in Europe, is always staying busy. Um, and mainly now that means just doing a lot of art and pursuing other things outside of cycling that I really enjoy. And then also, like you were saying, where it's just a devotion to the sport. Yeah, what I found is whenever I kind of start fe- started feeling alone and I had a lot of like intervals that day or something, I would usually contact my trainer and say, hey, I would like, I'm just not feeling great today. I'd rather kind of just go on those exploratory rides because for me, that really brings me back to the days I was with my parents, where it was kind of just go ride for five, six hours. Don't really know exactly where you're going, but you have an idea. Mm. And then that loneliness for me fades away and the passion comes back and it's like a full reset. Wow. Do you have the opportunity to train with uh, other teammates over there? I do. Yeah. So I have two teammates that actually live in the same town as me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's like also just some riders that um, when I, when we both have the time or our training works together, we ride together. But I'll be honest too, I've, I, most of the time, especially in the U S prefer to ride alone. Mm. Um, it's for me, I, I love, like, I love talking to people, but at the same time, I do really love riding alone. It's my time to kind of, yeah, think and just like, just listen to, I guess, nature and just relax. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I found also being over here and being more isolated I am looking now more to ride with people and that's where my teammates have been very helpful. Yeah. 
It also seems like it's a really big challenge to fit any kind of specific workout in with other people. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's a challenge, but I'd say it also depends on how relaxed you are with your intervals. Uh-huh. There's some riders that really do not enjoy doing intervals with people because you sometimes have to like take a few seconds off or make your rest a little bit longer. But um, I mean, for me, I found that most of the time I'm pretty relaxed with that. If I'm able to just get the power and the t- the almost exact time allotted for my training, then then I'll join people while I have intervals. Okay, right on. So with uh, so with you in Europe, then one of the questions that we had for uh, especially Riley Amos, he mentioned this a lot, as did Braden, um, that that first race in Europe was like a slap in the face like a huge wake-up call to a much higher level of competition. Would you say that's what your experience was as well? Or just talk us through that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think my first race in Europe, yeah, was for sure a slap in the face. Um, The racing in general is just so different. When you race in the States, you're always surrounded by the same riders you've known for the past four or five years. So it's a lot less aggressive. You know, it's more relaxed. Obviously, you guys are still pushing your max, but you aren't going to be cutting anyone off. And then you come over to Europe and, oh, it's just a free-for-all. It's like, hey, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to, like, ride over your bike and ride over you right now. And if, <laughs> like, someone's trying to pass you on the right-hand side right next to the, like, uh, on the hill. You just push them and they roll down the hill. Like, it is a free-for-all. And I think it was, yeah, really hectic at the start, but it was also a nice feeling to have something different. Yeah. Okay. So this actually is interesting. I'm curious about this because there are no, there are no red cards. There are no fouls. There are no (laughs) referee flags in UCI that we see as spectators. Can you guys get in trouble for that? If you like push somebody into a tree? I, I, I feel like you have to, I, there, there has to be something where like you really aren't supposed to do that. But I think for the most part, it's really just, yeah, free for all, unless you're being like clearly making sure that one person's going to like really crash hard. I don't think there's like any rule against it. It's mainly like someone's trying to pass you and you really want to like make sure they don't pass. Um, you can like cut them off and stuff. But I'd also say as much as like, I'd say the start's really violent, but once you start like you're in a group or something, for the most part, people are very respectful and they aren't going to do these drastic like moves to make sure you aren't passing them. Yeah. I feel like it would be a start. Oh, (laughs) what goes around comes around. Yeah, exactly. You get it dished back pretty quick. Exactly. That's my thing is I'm like, if you're trying to really cut me off and it's super clear that you don't want me passing and I pass you at some point, trust me, you are not getting around me. That's my (laughs) thing. I'm like, if you're really respectful, then I'll be really respectful to you. But if not, Ooh, I'm yeah. a small, but I can probably push you if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> so those starts, have you, uh, have you gotten tangled up in any of those or have you been able to keep it pretty clean so far? I've been really, really fortunate actually with all the starts. I've had like really close calls, but I somehow always seem to find a small little like hole to get through it. Um, but I did have the one I always go back to when people ask about like European races and starts is last year at the Lenzer Hyde World Cup there was this crazy bottleneck I went on the first descent. And I remember people were just like, it was just full gas right over bikes and people like spokes oh. breaking everywhere. And I just remember like everyone else was doing it. So I was like, all right, screw it. And I just like rode straight into a pile of riders and just somehow made it out the other side alive. And like, yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Wow. That <laughs> sounds like carnage. Yeah. It, it's carnage, but it, it's fun. Well, it's fun if you're the one riding over the pile, I suppose. Exactly. Exactly. Once you're on the other side, it's probably not as great, but yeah, I haven't Mm -hmm. had that just yet. (laughs) I'm sure you'll, you'll get some experience at some point. Some point. Yeah. (laughs) Some experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever you're doing, it seems to be working well because just this year already, I see that, uh, in Alpstad, (laughs) you, you were 11th out of 151 riders. Is that right? That, that is, yeah, I, I think it was that, yeah. That is impressive. <laughs> you know that 
these other writers around you are, you know, top of their class in the world. That's that's nothing to shake a stick at. Yeah, I was that was I was happy with that. And uh, I'll have to maybe brag a little bit here, but it was from fifty first too. Oh so no man. way! Get up to there. It was I was happy with it. So can you walk us through it a little bit? Yeah. How did how'd that go? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was like. It was just one of those races where it was like there was a lot of luck on my side, I think, especially in the start. How I was saying I always kind of somehow find a little line. I mean, there was like two pile ups in front of me and I was just barely able to like dodge them and squeeze by. And then from there on, it was I kind of just put my head down and someone would pass me at a like faster speed. And I just I try sticking on their wheel. And then once they faded, I would just keep going at that speed and see how long I could hold it. And it just slowly but surely, I kept catching people. And that feeling where when you're always passing someone, like you have so much more energy, or at least for me, I do. And it just, I just kept going. And yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, that seems to be like uh, the mental momentum. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly how to put it. Yeah. So one thing that is always interesting to me as a spectator, since I don't get to go race in all these glorious places in the world, is the balance of short track to Olympic. Like in somebody's career yeah. now. You guys in U23, you're still doing short track as well, right? Um, or do they like, not? We aren't doing any short track races now. Oh, okay. So that's what I was curious. Are you like, how do you then prepare for that since if you eventually step into elite that is suddenly a part of the game that's that's a really good question i mean yeah there is like i guess the cu short track series um back in the u.s that i used to race but other than that i think it's really there's no preparation there's a national short track and then yeah other than that it's kind of just i think you just get thrown into the crowd and hope you come out the other side um, <laughs> I, and i'm I can't tell if I'm excited or dreading uh, when my time comes. <laughs> I mean, using the term when my time comes doesn't necessarily sound like excitement. <laughs> yeah, I guess it sounds a little worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just kind of picture it as what you explained the start of Olympic distance to be for the entire race. I, I was literally about to say the exact same thing. Yeah, that's, <laughs> All I see is carnage every single lap. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like such a different uh a different animal to be going 20 minutes full on like full gas the whole time basically. No breaks, just right to the line in a crowd. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm really excited to do it cuz I haven't done it in so long, but yeah, it's short track is one of those things where yeah, you're just every turn you're coming out and you're just sprinting as hard as you can. And every time you get into the next turn, you're already drained. It is, it is a different beast that oh, I'm like so scared of, but also it's just one of those things that's so fun. Nice. Yeah. Is that the kind of racing you prefer or are you, uh, are we going to see better placements from you on those longer courses with longer climbs where you can just kind of set your pace and then just chew people up in front of you? That's where it's, it's a really hard thing for me to figure out because some races that are really short punchy climbs I do really well at. And then there's other races where it's like longer climbs and I do really well. Um, but I would say I'm for sure more of a, like a climber. I always find that for the most part, I'm able to stay at that higher power at the top of the climb where other people start fading. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. So I guess, yeah, I'd say like, I'm for sure not a short track person. Like, I am more of a longer endurance athlete, but I do love the short track. Like that's was one of the things I did when I was a kid from, I think it was 11 to seven, 17 or 16 years. Oh no. Yeah. I think 17 years old. So like for me, I, I love short track. I just, I don't think I have the, those massive legs for it. <laughs> <laughs> yet all in due time. Yet all in time. Exactly. I was seeing that. You also have uh, some some BMX flavor in your riding. I do. Is, it, is that something that you started when you were younger? Or? So I started BMX mainly around quarantine. Okay. Uh, during COVID, but before that, I did like I would just 
I had a dirt jumper for a while and I would go dirt jumping like a lot at Valmont Bike Park. Yeah. Um, and then I started hurting myself way too much. So I <laughs> decided, okay, I'm going to get a BMX bike and I'm going to do more like not high in the air stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> or freestyle. That kind of, exactly. But then, yeah, during quarantine, I was getting so bored that I just started going to the skate park all the time. And then next thing you know, I just kept coming back with more, uh, cuts and bruises so it kind of just went full circle <laughs> <laughs> do you uh do you transfer those skills over pretty well to the mountain bike i do that's one of the things um that whenever someone asks me like what to how to improve their skills i say get a bmx bike um mm. or a dirt jumper i'd say you learn how to carry speed so well where other riders would never think to carry speed and it may be like milliseconds all around the course but if you add up a few of those you can gain a few seconds easily every lap with recovering more than every other rider mm. it is like i'd say one of those things that barely anyone does but if everyone did it it would be crazy yeah yeah i'm gonna have to get a bmx bike yeah I guess so. Me <laughs> you, too. Might, you you have to it's awesome <laughs> oh. well i was also wondering i i noticed uh that you throw in a few no-handed wheelies from time to time I do. <laughs> and, uh, and first off, how? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many times have you looped out and gone head first back onto the, uh, onto the pavement trying to learn those? I'll be honest. I'm, I'm scared to say this cause I think now it will happen, but I've, I've never done it. Ooh. Not yet. <laughs> well, good luck keeping that streak but, alive. <laughs> I know. Thank you. Yeah. But I'll be honest. You, you should try it. Just get in a wheelie and then just take your hands off. If you have club pedals. And it's surprisingly a lot easier. It's just all about commitment. We're just going to file that under don't try this at home, kids. Uh, that is advice exactly. from a racer, but try it on grass first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, try it on grass. Maybe a few pads. <laughs> Hopefully you'll survive. <laughs> yeah. I got I to gotta work on my handed wheelies first. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, have, they have some... They got a ways yeah. to go. <laughs> a little bit of progress You've before ever, the no-handed wheelie. You ever throw that in during a race? Um, I haven't done that, but I did in Arkansas last year do a suicide over one of the drops during oh. the race, which I'm very proud of. <laughs> yeah, I think we found that when uh, Instagram creeping on you. We saw that that shot, and it's pretty pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> Some good form. Yeah, I'd say that's one of my proudest uh, moments during my racing career so far. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Well, it's clear that you're having fun with it. I am. I, my, my thing is, is if you aren't having fun. You aren't going to be able to perform at your like highest capacity. So I try even in my training, whenever I can be relaxed and just have fun. Cause at the end of the day, you're doing it because you love the sport. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's so fun that you're, you're getting to live a dream that many have, have dreamt about for a long time. And, I just, I love hearing the story. I mean, from, from all four of you guys <laughs> getting to engage in that sport at such a high level, it's, it's going to be life-changing for you. And the fact that you're living over there too, it's, I just can't wait to see where it's going to take you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I, I wish I could like look or have my younger self look at me because I never believed I would ever be here. It is like, it is a really cool thing to kind of be like, I'm living over in Europe and just, yeah, racing your bike. I think it's, to me, it's, yeah, full dream come true. Mm. Do you have uh, some, some words of inspiration or encouragement for those who are looking towards that direction? Like yourself, maybe five years ago? Make, I mean, like, make those leaps of faith that you probably don't think will go well. Hmm. I would say a lot of the things, like even moving over to Europe, I was very skeptical about it. And I was like, going to be really lonely. Um, I had so many good friends and people surrounding me in Boulder. But like, I feel like too, at the end of the day, you just got to make those leaps of faith that make you uncomfortable. Like when, when you're uncomfortable, that's when you'll produce the best result of your life or yeah, because I mean, you're not expecting that much. You're just going there, doing your thing and hoping for the best. So I'd say, yeah, 
be make those leaps of faith that are unexpected and uh, never be comfortable. Mm. That's some pretty sage advice, if we're honest. <laughs> uh, although I don't know that we're going to tie try the things you think won't work out well with the <laughs> suicides or the <laughs> the no hander wheelies. <laughs> we're not going to put those in different buckets. <laughs> Only try that when you think it will go well. <laughs> uh, you know, exactly. Yeah, you got to have a certain amount of risk in That's life. That's true. You do. You never grow <laughs> without risk. Yeah, without risk, there's no reward, right? Yeah, that's I absolutely mean, true. Yeah. Wisdom. <laughs> wisdom from a 20-year-old does not sound good. <laughs> hey, wisdom really is wisdom. Really bad start. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you feeling from here about the rest of your season? I mean, I'm, I'm feeling really good, um, especially now me and my trainer and people that help me with all my stuff. We are like increasing my hours like by, I think, each week we're increasing them by six to uh, 10 hours extra onto what I'm training. So I'm really, really excited. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm so excited for the rest of the mm. I feel like, yeah, there's not much else to say than I am just so excited. Yeah. Well, I was just wondering, when, when are you going to take down Riley? Ooh. You're, Good question. You're Riley right there. is just a beast. He is... <laughs> Riley is pure speed, so we'll see. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But <laughs> you guys have been dueling for Riley many just, years. Oh, me, yeah, me and Riley. It's funny. I always see this photo from, I think it was, two thousand and like fifteen states when we first met, and we're two of these kids that are like four foot five, <laughs> so scrawny. <laughs> sprinting up this hill probably doing like 200 watts and that was so like good. our max sprint um <laughs> and then yeah ever since that we've just kind of been like together all the way yeah. so yeah it's also that's one thing too is it's so cool to see i remember robbie we met a lot i'd say later i think it was four years ago mm-hmm. but like especially me riley and Braden. i mean we've known each other since i think yeah our first year uh 15 16 and that we kind of just had like yeah let's go race our bikes and mess around and now it's like this is our job it's crazy yeah it blows my mind to think about that and you have such a cool crew to do it with i mean all, all of those guys are quality exactly yeah i mean the we have such a large diversity i feel like in personalities and then in general too the energy is yeah most of the time when we're surrounding each other it doesn't feel like we're racing yeah. I'd say sometimes that's good and other times it's bad, <laughs> but it's, it's always, always awesome to be surrounded by riders like them. Awesome. So we have a couple standard questions we ask here uh, mm-hmm. on the show. Uh, the first one, Riley absolutely crushed with a legendary answer since we've just mentioned him. <laughs> and that is, what would you say are actually I can't remember, Josh. Was this his silly encounter or was this a best day, worst day? Uh, I think it was an encounter. I think it was. Yeah. So, all right. So we ask, what would you say you've had in terms of wild or silly encounters on the bike? Like we've had people run into emus. We've had Riley almost get shot trying to steal air from a, uh, from an a ATV compressor. An AT, yeah. An ATV compressor somewhere. Um, we've had people hit actual bears on their bike. So how about yourself? What do you got to bring to the party? Ooh, I feel like, I don't know if I actually have many weird encounters. I'd say the, one of the weirdest things was me and Robbie were doing a race in winter park. And during the race, we caught up to a mom, a mama moose and her baby. And yeah. And instead of the moose just running off into the woods, they decided the smartest way to go to get rid of us was actually run up the same trail we were racing on. So <laughs> me and Robbie just chased them for, I think it was like four and a half miles. Oh, wow. They just kept running. And then finally the mom was like, all right, we're turning left and going into the woods. Four but and I'd a half I'd, miles. Yeah, it was crazy. Me and him had to like, we started slowing our pace and we're like, all the people are going to catch us. We're like, what do we do? We can't like pass them. <laughs> so that was, I think the weirdest thing I had, I, ha- but I feel like I'd have more, um, 
I have more near death experiences than like close encounters. I'd say okay. I haven't had any weird encounters. Well, that's that's the next question. Yeah, the next question we usually ask is, "What is your best day and what is your worst day on a bike?" Ooh. And if so you've got I'd some say near that's death, honestly yeah, the same one. All right. I mean, my it's my best and worst worst day. Most people um, say that, so you're right where <laughs> most of our guests are. So yeah, let's have it. <laughs> yeah. So I had this. I mean. Most of the time, like I was telling you guys, I really like doing these rides where I don't really know where I'm going. I'm just like, I have endurance plus, I'm just going to get lost for a couple hours yeah. and then hopefully mm-hmm. find my way back. And this was one of those days where I was like really confident where I was. It was like right above Boulder in, I bet you guys know, like the Boulder Canyon. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd ridden up to Ned and I was starting to go down this Boulder Canyon when I saw this like super steep road to the left that I really wanted to ride up. And I'd always see it and I'd always be like, I'm going to ride up at some point. So I was like, screw it, I'll ride up. And I get to the top and this was like, I think it was like, I don't know when it was, but there was still a little snow up in Ned. And I was like, oh, there'll be no snow up there. I'll be fine. And I like somehow make it up to this neighborhood that's right above the Boulder Falls. and. I find this, like, I start, like, sneaking through all these people's backyards and all this, and I find this Jeep road that uh, just keeps going down. I'm like, oh, this will just take me down to, like, Boulder Canyon. That's fine. And it turns out it actually started, turned into, like, three feet of snow. And um, then I got, I was, like, above the Boulder Falls, but you know how the Boulder Canyon is just cliffs on all sides Uh at that part? Yeah, and I'd already gone down for, like, 30 minutes all in snow. Oh man. So the hike up would have been way too long. I was in shorts and a t-shirt. Yep. So I decided, all right, I'm going to just like traverse the cliff and just like slowly make my way down. And then I like slipped. Yeah. I slipped. I fell off the cliff. It was only like 20 feet, which was really fine. I landed in snow. Only 20 feet. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, it landed in snow. We, we survived. I like got my bike. I was like, that was really stupid. I'm just going to like follow this there was a telephone line that I, I, cause I knew where I was. I knew if I went over the next mountain, I'd be by Sugarloaf. Mm-hmm. And so, but I hadn't thought that like I had to still cross the Boulder falls. So let's just say I walked, I think three miles and it took me like two hours in three feet deep of snow with no, um, with just shorts on. Oh my gosh. I feel like, yeah, I like slid down the cliff, fell into the river. And then I got like, I don't know, it's called, I think, stage one frostbite, like the super minimal one. But like, yeah, by the time I got home, I think I sat in the bathtub for like three, four hours just being like, that was the sickest ride on earth. But that was so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And you were in cycling shoes this whole time too, right? Yeah, cycling shoes. It was just, oh. Known for their traction in snow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect in snow. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Practically like crampons. No, that's exactly. That sounds terrible. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm glad terrible, you're here. But it's, it was freeing. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad I'm here too. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that and Mies, Moosen, yeah, Moose, Moosesses. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad they were running away from Moosesses. you and not yeah. toward you. That's always a, yeah, a mean, bad situation. I, was, I Luckily, Robbie was in front of me, so if they turned around, <laughs> he'd be the first victim. So that's all that mattered. <laughs> wow. You just gotta outride him. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the stick in the spokes works. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, exactly. That's perfect. Or a little slice to the tire, yep. you know, it'll slowly <laughs> fade out. <laughs> it sounds like you've thought about this a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, oh, those are some great stories. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you've already threw down some, some pretty great wisdom in uh, you know, being able to embrace discomfort. Uh, what, what else would you say cycling has taught you so far? There's anything specific? That's a, I mean, ooh, that's a really good question. I've never, I feel like I've never really thought about that. I think a lot of the things I've learned about cycling in general or like helping me as a person is, was all when I moved over to Europe. And I think like really getting to know yourself and what you enjoy, um, is really hard to do because I think it takes a lot of self-isolation. But mm. once you find those things, you can like really, I guess, blossom into 
the person you really want to be and or strive to be. Um, I think before I came over to Europe, I was very, I don't know, I was kind of just going with the flow of what everyone else was doing. And I was always kind of wanting to do things with other people and forcing myself to sort of be in self-isolation has helped me really find my other passions outside of cycling where mm-hmm. I don't depend on other people um, to always do things with. And I think, yeah, like self-isolation in general is really hard, but once you get accepted and like really start finding things, I guess, to help with that, you really find the things you love doing that are outside of your other passions, like cycling for me. It's a good word. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Self-isolation and blunt friends. (laughs) (laughs) Also true. Good for self-discovery. Yeah. So it seems like you've been able to spend quite a bit of time uh, investing in your art too. And I have, yes. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Like what, what is your passion? How would you describe your passion in the art world? I mean, so that's where one thing, uh, I don't know how much you looked into my art account, but um, I mean, I've like, like I was saying before too, any art for me, I'll be obsessed with. I, I've done like film photography, um, pastels, oil painting, like acrylic painting, water painting, like everything I've, from painting to like, yeah, charcoal, all of that. And say for me is like, I just, anything where I'm able to put my ideas into reality, I love it. Um, even from my sewing and clothing stuff too. Um, but I mean, right now, what, if you also look at my, like, yeah, art Insta is I've been posting a lot of poetry mm-hmm. and sketches. Cause for the most part, I'm, limited right now to just sewing and that and sketchbooks and my new thing is just poetry jim morrison um you know from the doors he is like my artistic idol so after kind of reading his poetry books especially wilderness um i am now just obsessed with poetry and i go through phases where i'll be obsessed with one art form then i'll switch and come back and all that (laughs) oh that's awesome it's so valuable to live a life of passion (laughs) exactly that's i mean my thing is too is with everyone always asks me why i love doing art so much and for me too it's another way i can really take a mental break from cycling i think everyone sort of needs something that they can step away from their job um and like kind of yeah ignore that whole side of their life so they're able to reset and for me that's my art Mm. and um then also biking is another way I can sort of almost reset from art when I get really sick of the art I'm doing and I go on those long exploring rides. I almost, I have like in my notes, I have just thousands of notes of where I have new ideas popping up from the things I see and the people I see while I'm on these rides. Wow. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm yeah. excited for you. Have you Thank had... You. <laughs> Have you had the opportunity to kind of explore some of the art installations that Europe is so famous for yet? Yeah, so I've been able to explore some in Innsbruck, but sadly nowhere else except for there. Mm. Um, But um, I'm planning on, after my season's over, kind of moving around Europe and really going to the more famous places for their art and being able to do that, to see like, yeah, the roots of, where all these like art forms came from oh cool (laughs) yeah i'm so excited for that (laughs) i was gonna say definitely a bit jealous of you there (laughs) yeah there's a lot to see oh i just so much it's bad maybe i'll just have to stay over here for a few more months (laughs) (laughs) oh darn yeah (laughs) oh darn oops yeah (laughs) oops i forgot to come home from europe oh exactly (laughs) well do you have any specific dreams that you're, you'd say you're aiming for right now, or are you just enjoying living the dream you're in? I mean, for at the moment, my cycling dream is coming true. Mm. Um, I would say, I guess my dream for cycling is really to, yeah, have it be my full-time job. And then outside of like the cycling career, I, I want to like, my biggest dream is just to become an artist where I'm able to also kind of make that almost a side gig of cycling and i'm able to bring my 
cycling audience into the art, like, yeah, into the art arena and show them another side of life that is different from cycling. Um, I feel like there's not many riders that uh, do many creative things. And I think I could show that side of the world to a lot of cyclists. Yeah. Yeah. Having a balance is, <clears throat> is really powerful. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I think for me, that is like one of the things that I need to always focus on is yeah. Having that balance between like training, racing, and then art. Uh, yeah. Well, it is so cool to, to hear a little about your story and the journey that you're on right now. Uh, I just can't wait to see where it takes you and you know, the, not, not just your race results, although those are pretty fun, but your, your journey overall in, in life. Uh, I think big, big things are in store for you. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to see what I can do. Uh, all right. Well, we will. Uh, we'll be watching from over here, uh, <laughs> on this side of the pond, since we don't get to be over there playing in Europe. But uh, yeah, good luck through the rest of the season and beyond. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm excited. I'm coming back for nationals, so I'll be back in the U.S. for a little bit. I'm excited to come. It's actually this is the longest I've been away from home. I think before this it was a month. So I'm very excited to go back and. Uh, mm. Oh just yeah, I bet. See how I feel about home. Yeah. I'm going to try to make it up there if nothing else. So maybe I'll see you there. Yeah. You guys are, you guys should come up to nationals. That'd be awesome to like meet you guys in person and everything. For sure. Yeah. Heck yeah. For sure. Well, thank All you right. so much for joining us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. This was awesome. It was a cool experience to finally do an interv interview. It's weird. <laughs> well, I'm guessing there's probably <laughs> going to be more of those. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're great. You're great. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. Cool. Enjoy the rest of your All night. Right. Yep. Yeah. Have a good one. You too. Or right, yeah, have a nice day. <laughs> if you want to know more about stand-up pedal action, you can check us out online at supa.bike. That's S-U-P-A dot B-I-K-E. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>